see you look down. Oh, I, I, I gave you the cue, yeah. Oh, I wasn't looking. I was itching. And see, I would not be me. Good morning. I would not be me if I missed the cue. That's right. I have to miss the cue. Yep. So I got cued and I'm off. I was all excited that. This know. is radio number one. When you hear music, you either start talking or I stop know talking. This, or watch for I was busy in my own thoughts. And sometimes that's oh, very important. Yeah. More important than getting the cue. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Welcome to your daily game face. I missed my cue to cue in this morning to start the show on time. It wouldn't be a show unless, <laughs> unless that happened. No, I'm not going to change it. I'm always going to miss the cue from now on. Just doing I, what I, I like, do. I it makes like it, it entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, good morning. And, and we're in our 75th week of... <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be that way. <laughs> um... Uh, so 20, uh, I want to say 23, but I'm not sure. Uh, sure. March, April, May, June, July. I have to, I'm finger counting now. No, when I put them up on podcast, when I put them up on podcast, the yeah. episodes are numbered. So, I mean, and that's Apple Podcasts, yeah, Google Podcasts, Spotify, so on. We're in somewhere in the range of 23 or something I like that. I think so, yeah. 24, maybe. Roughly, because yeah. we started in the first week of February. Mm-hmm. So, very good. And we mm-hmm. haven't missed any. Wow. Except I missed my cue. So, well, welcome <laughs> to the show. And um, yeah, you're a, still the last remaining perfect host in terms of not missing shows. Isn't that amazing? Well, See? no, you haven't been going that long. But I yeah. haven't. <laughs> so you give it to me and then you take it away. <laughs> what should we say about that psychologically? You give me something and then you say, "Well, but yeah. I'm going to take it away from you." So it's coaching. <laughs> Um, so we have lots to talk about as usual on the show. Um, so I was going to tell you total sidebar on this because I've had, remember last week I talked a little bit about, I was at the vet till all hours of the night and I had yes. spent, you know, X amount. Well, so it's a little sad news. I have a kitty that is one of my therapy kitties mm-hmm. and he's one of my oldest boys. He has cancer. Um, so he's getting pre-opted this morning for surgery on Monday to have the tumor removed on Monday. Yeah. So that's a little crazy this morning doing that. So, hey, I can miss my cues. Pre-op today for surgery on Monday. Yeah, well, because at the same time he was diagnosed with cancer, he also was diagnosed with diabetes. So they have Uh, to do a blood curve on it. It it could be a whole show on this. Yeah. Right? It's I am the vet vet whisperer. I should own a wing (laughs) at the vet hospital over the past decade. It's all right. Um, If I remember correctly, the cat's only, what, 13 years old? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's got long life. So this is just, and we caught it as a fluke. So make sure you take your, if you love your fur babies, make sure you take them for every little thing like I do, because it was just a fluke that they found this, which they wouldn't normally have. And it was because something else was going on and they just happened upon it. And thank God. So my dog went yesterday. Your dog went yesterday. For his yearly. Ah. Yeah. And? He's a mini asshole. <laughs> but the the way they're doing it now, well, you can't go in. No. That's, no. it's, it really didn't work for him. I mean. He still hasn't recovered yet. Oh, no. Yeah, he's still a little wound up. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is, it is. I mean... And he knows the building. Yes. He knows the building. He knows he's going to the vet. Oh, yeah, so when, when I yeah. put any of my cats in the car to go, they know they're going. Yeah. Because it's, I have one that's... Well, when else does a cat go in the car? Well, she, you don't take well, them for rides. Well, she's a, a bangle, so if you've ever heard a bangle scream... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, would, you have to roll up all the windows because you stop at a stoplight and everyone thinks you're killing the cat because the howl is so oh. piercing. I want to stick my head out the window and scream myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but on the way home, she's quiet as can be. So, yeah. <laughs> so in the, in the last week and a half, I've had three cats in the vet. 
hospital oh, God. for a variety of things. They haven't had any issues, and all of a sudden we've got an upper respiratory infection in one, we've got a UTI in another, oh, and we have diabetes and cancer in another. I'm like, so I've got five, and I'm just like, okay, let's hold out on the other two, right? <laughs> so talk about yeah. whirlwind of stuff going on. Um, but what I was bringing all that story up for is because I found um, – living your best life, trying to think of all the things. I'm looking at a feed of social media last night and I'm trying to keep my mind right around all these issues going on, right? On right. top of all my other stuff. And the CDC puts out a thing on cats now and dogs, but particularly cats are now getting the potential to have the plague. <laughs> and I was like, seriously? Because yeah. <laughs> in my luck, in my head, I was like, oh, then I... And then, of course, the upper upper respiratory cat issue that I have, Sophie, yep. she proceeded to, as I was reading it, I swear to God, it was right on the same timing, sneezed on me, like <laughs> right on me. I was like, oh, my God. And I'm, so I'm like scrambling to read about the plague in cats. So just as that was happening. So whenever I, I think of the CDC, whenever I think of the CDC and I think of Dr. Fauci and yeah. the World Health Organization, all that stuff, I think of our mutual friend Jeff's, my favorite Jeff Shankism. Which is, if all you have is a hammer, all you see is nails. That's right. So all these people see is deadly plagues. It's about what we talked about last week, where yeah. it depends on where your focus are. Well, yeah, it's all in perspective. And if you only yeah. have the one perspective and you have that tunnel funnel vision, then you don't get to generate out. These guys, no one's paying attention to these guys unless there's a deadly plague going right. on. Right. So. Well, it goes way back to the beginning of how do you live your best life when all you think of is if you get the virus, you die. Yep. It's not one equals the other. It has the potential to do that, right? But it's the same. It's, you know, like yep. me doing the work in my head last night, generating multiple different opportunities in my head that just because Sophie sneezed on me does not yep. mean she has the plague and I'm going to die. Right. Yeah, exactly. But it's amazing how being a trained professional and doing this forever, I still went that quick place for a second of like, Oh God, she sneezed on me, yeah. and I hope that it's not just you know anything but an URI for yeah, but it. Yeah, your cat's been in lockdown since 2008, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, not Sophie. <laughs> Sophie's newer. Okay. So okay, so Mush is the one with cancer oh, okay, yeah. and diabetes. That's a 13. Yeah. And Sophie's Sophie's the one with the upper respiratory, and Echo has the UTI. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Echo's the oldest. Let me write that down. So. <laughs> Well, it's it's very nice because a lot of the listeners actually picked up on my vet story last week and have yep. actually reached out and, t and said, how are the cats and so on and so forth. All so I've got I is an insane I'll... dog. That's all I've got. <laughs> psycho, psycho dog. Yeah. Well, we all have something. Yeah. Which is a which is redundant in my. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I have so for the listeners out there that would like to know the names of the cats in my life and also that they provide therapy to some of my to my yep. clients because they are therapy cats in in session is we have starting at the top we have Echo who's the oldest mm -hmm. then I have uh, Mush and Mia who are brother and sister yep. Mia has no issues <laughs> thank God knock on wood yep. and then we have Sophie and she's one and then we have Bean. And I call Bean the terrorist because Bean. he's a year and a half and he is lucky he's cute. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he is psychotic. Yep. yep. And he's very cute. And there's mm. nothing wrong with him except he likes to, like, you know, be crazy. Yeah. So, anyway. I got so, a full week out of last week's episode, by the way. It's what? A lot of discussion out of last week's episode. Yes. Yeah. About the whole uh, uh, Tigger and Eeyore and Wise Owl. Yes. Did you think about new um, new characters? Because I had a long, th oh, long did you? talk with a couple people oh, about you came up the, with the the different avatars to be able to use contemporary for people who didn't know who Eeyore or Tigger were yeah. are. So d you didn't think of any new? I I came up one. I came up with one from a show that no one would remember. So 
It just well, wait, indulge me. Wait, I want to know if I remember the show. Uh, West Wing. Oh, I loved that yeah, show. It was my favorite show. That was such a great show. Yeah. Um, but we di- digress. Well, we'll have to come up. I'll think about it more yeah. about because probably a lot of people wouldn't know the references like we would know from yeah. that show. Um, but uh, I actually came up with like Three's Company. Remember Three's Company? Yeah. Yes. Like Jack Ritter and Chrissy yeah. and Janet. I'm thinking, oh, let's see, you know, some of the frames of reference for people our age, um, but more contemporary. We'll have to come up with better ones. But I think, I think. Wizard of Oz and For Winnie some, the Pooh are pretty good. Yeah. I had a lot of, I did have a lot of good feedback about the fact that now people are able to think um, about. I couldn't who get they it out of my head. I was doing it all week. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> involuntarily, I was doing it all week. Were you being wise owl? I was trying, but I kept identifying my Eeyore thoughts and yeah. So this just is labeling good. them. Yeah. This is really good. I just couldn't really avoid doing it. I'm glad. So, are, so are you feeling like you're getting better at being more of the wise owl? Well, I was already I was already doing this sort of thing, but the fact that these labels got 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 put on it is yeah. <laughs> kind of annoyed me actually. Oh no, because no, because <laughs> because now all of a sudden you know how much of an Eeyore you are. Yeah, I, I well, there's that. <laughs> well, I knew that wasn't a surprise, but I've already I, I already pay attention to that sort of thing. But then you know, in my head, I'd I'd think something go, oh, "That's an Eeyore thought," and I go, "Damn." <laughs> Again with the Eeyore thought. Yeah. So did it come with damn that's an Eeyore thought and or was it damn Kim? <laughs> Not damn Kim, yeah. <laughs> she put this in my head. Well, so so giving that theme of living your best life and trying to figure out whether or not you're an Eeyore or Tigger or a Piglet or Christopher Robin or whatever. Um, so trying to think of tips, and I'm always trying to think of tips to give our listeners about how to live your best life, because that's what the show is supposed to be about, psychologically manifesting all the things that are healthy for you. Um, and so I, I came up with a huge list of things in my head and then wrote some down today just so that I could keep them in line. Um, and hopefully we'll just talk about them a little bit. We've talked about a lot of them before, but maybe giving them more of a flesh out. And um, one of them being that um, savoring your moments, mm-hmm. um, being able to really stay present. Um, more and more, I, I think that the longer the COVID goes on and the longer these yeah. things are happening, that staying present has been so hard for people because they're predicting and catastrophizing out. Um, and then, it, this is the blur, the past week, this is this week or last week when we had the whole school thing come up that everyone's got to go uh, back to school yeah, and all that stuff, week, right? Yeah. And then all the catastrophizing of not yeah. remaining. You know, I keep telling people, and, you know, and people are like, oh, how can you just stay present? It changes. It, like, t- whatever's said today, right. <laughs> by tomorrow, it's going to change. I mean, they've already gone through and what I think of is at least 25 iterations of school openings in general and what's yeah. going to happen and how it's going to happen. And I think right up to the last second, it's going to happen. Yeah. So I keep saying to my clients that have kids and so on and so forth, or even the kids that are like, I want to go back to school. Kids want to go back to school for the most part. Just, you know, just go with today. It's We don't know. It's, it's going to change. This is a great example because this is the problem people run into when you tell them to stay present. They say, well, you got to plan. Right. You can't just be surprised by everything. And yeah, planning is valuable and important and everything. But staying in the moment for this, especially that particular topic, right. says that, yeah, you've got a plan for the fall in school, but you have nothing to plan on right now. Right. Right? So anything, if you plan on something based on the information we're dealing with today, you're just going to have to do it over again. Well, and that's the point. When is things Why change. take yourself into the future of something that's an unknown, just like any unknown is right. over the future, and then really plan for that? Like, in, you know, in history, a year ago, clearly, hey, it's the middle of July, almost the end. 
plan ahead. You got six weeks basically before you're going back to school. Now it's, eh. yeah. <laughs> you know, why, well, why bother to plan for that? You're looking for opportunity, right? right. We were talking about living your best life and looking for opportunity right. and not being at you. And one of the best things about COVID, I think, one of the opportunities in COVID is that we get into this mindset of, you don't know what it's going to be like 24 hours from now, a week from exactly. now. And, I mean, it's a little bit less than it was a month ago, say, for example, right. or six weeks ago. But we were in that – we were thrown into that realm for a while where there was something different every day. Right. So you just had to stay and you had to deal with what was in front of you today, and then we'll see where we are tomorrow. And and I think that, one, yes, that's mm. what we would go for. And it's really hard for people to do that, yeah. is, to, is to stay in that because we are creatures of – habit socialized and we're also you know social observation people and we kind of go with the flow in the way that we shouldn't that's part of one of the tips days go with the flow but it's in a different way than most people would do it it's go with the flow of what's in the moment instead of being like okay predicting out to control the future that you have no control over and that's so hard for people to be able to manage well, it's going against our wiring. Yeah. We're, we're wired to threat generate. Right. Because the people who didn't threat generate are dead. We're, we're descendants of the people who threat generated. Right. Right? So that's yeah. the mind's job. So you have to battle that all the time. Well, you're constantly in the fight or flight. So for yeah. people that don't haven't heard us talk about threat generation, so the body's wired for fight and flight. So you're constantly like the amygdala is going all the time in the brain and the emotional center to either keep you alive or mm-hmm. keep you alive. Right. So it's either fight or flee. And so you're always trying to figure out what's the best access point or the opportunity yeah. to make something happen for myself that's going to be safe. And and so like given the, the situation of negative thinking or negative patterns around just planning for the future of six weeks from now going back to school for kids and parents and teachers and all that, you know, again regulating the that little part of your emotional center to stay present because it's going to change by the end of today there'll be some new different thing rolled back pushed forward somebody's going to do this there's going to who knows i just tell people to just stay patient if worse comes to worse at the end of the day and this is kind of the thing i use for everybody at the end of the day it's nothing's going to be bad it's like what you're going to stay at home and, and teach at home i know that's awful but you know if that's what happens, that's what happens. You know, just go right up to the moment. There's nothing you can plan for. It's out of your control. Right. But we are threat generators. We are people that, you know, as human beings, hardwired to fight or flee, yeah. all in an effort to save ourselves, whether it's on school, jobs, money, so on and so forth. Well, you go, do that. you go through the cycle with clients all the time, yeah. I would imagine, where they're sitting here and they're going... It's not going to be in school in the fall, so the kids are going to be home. I've got to stay home. I've got no one to take care of them. That means right. I lose my job. That means I lose my house. You know that, and it, it just go on and on because again, you're programmed to do that. Right. But you have to sit back and say, okay, of these thoughts, what is real? Exactly. Right? What's the what's the realistic, rational, and reasonable? That's Dr. Kim's three R's: reasonable, yeah. rational, and reasonable. To get realistic, rational, and reasonable to to each scenario. And for people that threat generate a lot yep. or have a lot of Eeyore thoughts, you're you'll find yourself. You know, you, you're saying kiddingly, probably seriously, that you get annoyed at how many Eeyores. When you have to really look at how you have to ask, is that realistic? Is that reasonable? Is that rational? How many times yeah. a day a person really does that in the threat generating mind? It's exhausting. But it's not about it's not about limiting those thoughts. It's right. about dealing with those thoughts. Right. It's, it's about, about adjusting much, and modifying yeah, them. How much weight you give to them, you know, right. whatever that EO thought is. Well, is that real? 
it's not real or I can't do anything about it right now right. or that may change between now and then. Let's just right. go. It's about mitigating your response to them. Right. Well, and it's it, it's mitigating the response. And it's also, I think, um, in large part, cha just challenging. Yep. You have to really challenge the thought first and and see about, do you really have evidence? When you ask someone, and this is part of a cognitive behavioral strategy, is when you ask someone, is there reality to that? People often mix up that even, you know, reality is your perception, which it is, but the, that they'll base that reality is really this true fact. When you ask them to find a real fact, right. it's really hard, almost, it's, you know, when I do this and teach this to people, I don't think maybe one time I've had an example where someone's been able to come up with a fact to back up, that's a true fact, to back up the reality behind a thought process that they were having. It's usually these speculative things or these things that say, well, you know, the what ifs or all these other things that seem like facts because we bought into right. the reinforcement of how that generates more Eeyore thoughts instead of it being, let's be more Tigger-like and more wise owl and try to get out of that spot because when you challenge... So, so we're going to have my three R's and my three C's today. We've got a lot going on. So you have the three R's and then the three C's. Three C's are you capture your thought, you challenge it, mm -hmm. find evidence, and then it changes by itself, which we talked about last week. So that's, so you find out by capturing the thought, is it real? Challenge it. Is it real? Is it reasonable? Is it rational? Now you've challenged it and now it's going to change. It's going to change one way or another if you actually do that the three R's with the three right. C's together. So that's super hard for people because people are so wed to the reality of the fantasy of the perception of the negative. That was repeat. pretty good. Yeah. That was like, repeat <laughs> that again. I don't know if I could backtrack that one, but... Let, let me counter with an objection, though. Yes. Because this of is... Of course a, this... you're going to counter with an objection. What do you mean, of course? <laughs> See, that's a negative thought. That's an EO thought right there. This is, one of the pro this is one of the problems that makes the process so difficult for me. Okay. I'm not wrong often enough. Uh, yeah. In other words, when I come up with a scenario, I think I've told you in the past, I will not have conversations because I know how they're going to go. Right. And the fact is I know there's a possibility I'm wrong, but right. I'm not wrong often enough to not go with my gut feeling. And you talk about challenging for facts. It's just like I just know this is the way it's going to go. So I think that there's some, not some, there's a lot of validity to a lot of experiences people have historically that history will repeat itself so you come to know the predictability of something. Yeah, or for you, sure. if you read people, if you Absolutely. understand you, the mechanisms, you know, you know mechanisms of people. And, right. Yeah. You know a relationship really mm -hmm. well. You're going to, you know, I'm going to, I know how it's going to go if I have a conversation with a f specific friend. Right. I know how to tailor it. It to make it go a different way if I need to. But it, at the end of the day, I typically know that response. Um, when we're talking about, but it can change with some of those instances. Sure. When we're talking about um, the real, the three R's with the three C's in bigger scenarios that are maybe, you know, you just go by your own predictability just because you know life or have experience. But oftentimes the life and experience has a very narrow scope. Right. So those cases, which are many, are the ones that sort of get glommed in with the ones that you already have experienced that you're more sure of that are going to be that way. So you have to be able to challenge those alternatives right. more because they're, 
the, the pattern would be that people will stay with, well, predictably, I know that if, that if it happens between you and me, it probably is going to happen between me and everybody else too. Whereas that's really not, so no. not necessarily true. It's the case by case scenario and it's teaching yourself to really look at a situation based on, you know, if you don't know the situation well, you don't know how it might end versus I know what it's like to have a conversation with my best friend and I know what will make her go one way or another based on her, just our interaction. And I know that. Yeah. So it's, it's really about looking at the, the realistic facts of something and being able to maintain that across the board in your head yeah. so that you can manage or adjust to the scenario. I've also gotten much better at the acceptance part of it where you sit there and you go, I don't have any influence over this right now. Right. And things could change. So right. I'm just going to let this marinate for a while. Right. You know, any anything I do right now is probably not going to have a positive result, so let's play it out. And that and that's again super hard for people yeah. is sitting with yourself. So in living living your best life tip of the day number 2 mm-hmm. is sit with your own self. <laughs> when you ask, right? <laughs> yeah. When you when you ask someone to really sit with themselves, you know, the response I usually get is I can't do it. I don't know how to do yeah. it. I don't like doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I usually get those answers, um, or that's hard. Uh, of course, it's hard because you're you're practicing all the time running away from oneself. Yeah. And in, in the threat generated world, so that's why night times are so hard for people. You know, you can be a tigger all day, and yeah. all of a sudden, nighttime comes and you're an Eeyore. And at the core, your Eeyore has been bounced around all day trying to be active and keep your mind busy and people say oh nighttime is so terrible for me yeah and it's you know and and it it takes a while for me to usually get a person to really buy in and understand that it's not because something all of a sudden organically changes by nature right it's because you've hard you're hardwired but you've trained your neurology in your brain to go to i'm not busy now there's nothing social, there's no work, there's no activity. It's now quiet time and one must sit with oneself. And that's super hard right. because you're with you, your thoughts, and yourself. Because at that point you have to accept your part in whatever is going on. Right. Because there's no one else to influence their feelings about. Right. There's, there's, no, there's no ego right. to put out. There's no face to put out. It's just you and you. Right. And and that's when the racing thoughts come yeah. in for people. And, and you know, the, talk about tigger thoughts, you know, the jumping thoughts. And yeah. so when you ask someone, well, what are you thinking about at night? Number one answer. Do you know what it is? Oh, what are you thinking about at night? No. What's the number one answer? Nothing. Oh. People say oh, nothing. Yeah. And I say, no, 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 no. Absolutely not true. Right. But because racing thoughts, you know, that's the label we put out in psychology. Racing thoughts are so racing. Um that it's hard to pinpoint down what one particular thing is. So it's usually people when they have to sit with themselves and really look at it, the racing thoughts are about all the what ifs, Mm -hmm. what could be, what might be fear of unknown worries and so on and so forth that kind of just all of a sudden nighttime comes and there it is. And so the anxiety goes up, the, the sadness comes in, the loneliness comes in, which is, you know, all the things we've been talking about all these 20 something weeks, um, that's where you get all the hungry, angry, lonely, tired, the eating out of out of sadness and out of loneliness and out of being in your thought process right. and, and being an Eeyore, not using wise mind to generate enough of your um, alternatives in your head to say, I really need to structure my time better. I encourage everybody to find time at night to structure yourself into something that's leisure, but it's also that it's sitting with yourself. 
you know, some people don't read well. Why? Not because they don't read. It's because when they have to sit and think right. about their thoughts are often running so they can't concentrate because they're now in a different space. So it's like really accepting the adjustment of daytime to nighttime that all of a sudden you have to go from living all day yep. to now you're on downtime and you have to sit with yourself and identify really what matters most to you and work on that in that moment, which is I'm going to rest. I'm going to be at my peace. I'm going to do the dishes so I can enjoy the show or what, you know, all those yeah. things that we've talked about, but people just have a really hard time with that. It's very important to, to me anyway. It's very important to know when to set things down, yeah. when, when to let things go because you know, you're sitting, you're working on a problem, uh, money problem, paying a bill, whatever it is. You can't do anything at 10 o'clock at night. You can't do no. anything. No. So it'll be there tomorrow. You right. Know. But it's that control. It's the feeling of, if I don't get but it that's resolved, in, but or that's if I control don't... though. Ultimately, the ability to let that thought go and set it down till tomorrow morning is control. That's the control you're looking for. Right, but that's yeah. so that's a flip in the thought process to yeah. be able to get a person to say to see that control still comes from you. Actually, have control by letting it go in the moment, yep. picking it back up tomorrow, and having a better thought about it. It's so we're sort of hitting on a lot of the the, the list I have today. So that's hitting the reset. I tell people to hit their reset button often, mm -hmm. especially if they haven't been used to doing that or giving them permission to hit their reset button, you know, to let go. Letting go, and people hear that oftentimes means forgetting. Yep. And people don't want to let go because they think it means forget. And letting go isn't forgetting. It's hitting the reset. It's like saying, okay, we're just going to take a moment and just reset. Reset means I'm going to sleep and then I'm going to get up in the morning because the $400 bill isn't going to change tomorrow morning. So. Right. Maybe you have a better thought process tomorrow, but just hitting that reset button or or you have a, a bad morning, you know, in the start of a day and in your mind generating, I'm going to hit the reset button because I've got three other things to do this afternoon and yep. I can't do anything about already what happened. And so I've got to let it go. Yeah, it's, it's all about it's the old airline thing where they tell you to put your mask on first. Yes. You can't handle all these issues if you run yourself out of sleep, if you run yourself into other issues, issues. medical issues, whatever. You're living in that tension. You're sunk in. You don't. You lack the capacity to deal with this other stuff. So exactly. take care of yourself first. Exactly. Yeah. And and because people get, are in such, get a night's sleep. And and because people have such pursuit of control of their lives yep. or their outcomes and resolving things, you know, people are very focused on resolve. Yeah. Um, that keeps the sleep pattern you know, yeah. out of control because you you think that it's going to help you and it really doesn't. And, and obviously, you know, the next day, if you have sleep deprivation, yep. now your, your Eeyore thoughts are going to be even more exacerbated because it's very hard to generate a wise mind, a yeah. wise owl out of any of that to get you moving, to have a reset. Yep. So it's, a, it's allowing, you know, perfectionism comes into this, shame comes into this, you know, uh, feeling adequate and, and relevant yep. enough. All these pieces of a person's psychology um, come into that. And oftentimes people just look at it like, oh, no, that's not me. It's not, it's not, as that, it's not that complicated. But in fact, it really is for most people. They just don't look at it. People yeah. stay very surface thinking that, you know, if they, they stay on top of it, you know, in that way, it will, it will help some, some little bit, you know, it's kind of like anticipating a dam getting ready to break and you have all your fingers in the holes hoping right. to God that it's not going to break, but then it starts leaking through and, and, you know, it's all superficial band-aids and instead of like, okay, I just need to reset and look at the reality of what I'm going to have control over here. Uh, Michael Singer, who wrote yeah. The Untethered Soul, yeah. 
which I didn't like the book, by the way. Oh. But, but no, I, I, my um, ex-wife gave it to my kids. Uh-huh. And I said, well, if they're going to be reading this, I should read it. And I read it, and I didn't care for it that much, but I looked at some online videos, and, and specifically two talks he did at Berkeley. And yep. they're both about an hour and a half long, and I got so much more out of the talks than I did out of the book. But he was talking about how we spend all of our time I used to ask this question in my life all the time. What do I make happen and what do I let happen? Right. Right? That's the right. big struggle. And what you have, you have to start realizing the things that you can't make happen. And he was talking about how most people spend their time trying to arrange the whole universe. Right. So that it doesn't touch their stuff. So it, right. does, it, doesn't, it doesn't threaten them. Right. And it's exhausting and it's self-defeating because you can't control the whole universe. Exactly. There's stuff out there you have no control over. Right. All you ha- you got to take you got to understand what you have control over and what you don't, but you can't exhaust yourself trying to f- make the whole universe fit what you need. And and I and I think that that's a I that concept of having control over your universe and having all the things be able to be in a row and perfect and yeah. we'll use that as an easier term too is is pretty much most of the clients I've yeah. seen over the twenty four years I've been doing private practice and stuff. That's the main issue is. Either one being in control, partially in control, or feeling out of control. And somewhere on that continuum, getting acceptance or adjusting to the fact of what you do have control over and how much time, effort, and opportunity it's taking from you if you're wasting it on certain things and really putting it in perspective. Um, I find that there's lots of growth and health in people when they can put in perspective that I don't have control over that. And at the end of the day, I do that. You know, we've talked about this. At the end of the day, is it going to kill you? No. Is it going to yeah. kill anybody? Right. Did anyone die? No. You know, obviously, we're talking about generic kind of things, but yeah. and that's what most people are talking about. You know, I mean, not to make fun of. I mean, I've had people in the past who, who um, have spilt. They had a fifty thousand dollar rug, for instance, and they spilled a cup of coffee on the rug, and yeah. you know, a, a beautiful old rug, whatever. That's fifty thousand dollars. That was an enormous problem for them. And at the end of the day, you know. One of I, several, I think. But <laughs> Well, right. Yeah. And then the next client yeah. after that on the same day had something very tragic happen in their lives and there was a death and all these things. But the response was equal in the room and what they had control over versus what they didn't. You know, it's a perspective. So everyone's right. stuff counts, the val- the validity of it, but being able to look at both things and say, okay, $50,000 rug with coffee on it versus this person's having a really major trauma that, you know, everyone else would look at as like, oh my gosh, so, you know. Yeah. But being able to have that perspective of, at the end of the day, is it really right. the end of the world? Right. Right. And the trauma, same question to the person with the trauma. At the end of the day, is it the end of the world today? Is it, you know, this trauma that's happening isn't going to change in the next couple of days? And putting perspective on it. Oh, and by the way, you can get the rug cleaned. Yeah. You know, but it's when people are right in the moment, those two scenarios that right. we logically can look at and go, wow, they're wildly unequal. And yeah, they're, disproportionate. Right? Yeah. But, right, but in the moment, they're so the same. And being able to have that let go, really sh- get your reset button, adjust yeah. to it, and accept that, you know, at the end of the day, what it was it really? It's a rug. At the end of the day, you can't have control over what just happened. Right. You can only do with what's going forward. Similar both examples, right? So having the e, taking the Eeyore thoughts and really moving them around to what would what would a wise owl tell you to do? Would they say, you know, cry over the rug? 
cry over something that's already happened. Now you have to stay present, move forward. Same kind of thing. So being able to really generate that perspective. Yeah, he, he gave an example of how you can deal with this. Like he was talking about most people, because some people do, but most people, when they get up in the morning, they see it's raining. They don't, they don't get devastated. Right. Right, because it's rain. It's weather. What can control it? I mean, obviously, if you have a wedding or something, maybe it has a little more impact right. for you. But most people get up and they see the rain and they don't like it. But they just grab an umbrella and go out and do it, right. right? Because they have that's something you can't control. You can't change the weather. Right. A lot of what you go through in your life, a lot of what you're dealing with, is essentially rain. It's, it's it, stuff you don't have control over. Right. So you don't have to like it. You don't have to accept it. You just have to understand why spend the energy trying to control something you can't control. Right. And you have to give it context. So I, I mean, it's sort of a funny, and we've talked about the the irony of rain in my life because I have run through oh, that's right. the worst weather at the Boston Marathon, and so everyone knows that I do not like running in the rain, and right. unless I have to, and it's a race that I'm going to right. be significantly running, I will not run in the rain. Um, but it's it's the concept, it's the context is that when now when I see rain, I've worked on giving it a different perspective yeah. because. One, I like when it rains when I'm working because then I feel like I'm not missing out on anything, yeah. right? Yeah. So, that, yeah. And I think a lot of people do that. Um, but when I was a kid, remember, when you're a kid and it rained, I mean, it was like, oh, I can't go out and play. It was a totally different thing. And now you have to adjust around it as you go to, okay, rain is a good thing. Rain's going to make my garden grow. Looking for all the things that happen that are way better from it than not. Right. So even though I still don't want to run a race in the rain. <laughs> and most people will tell you, I, I bet they object to you. They come back to you and they say, well, you can't control your emotions. Yeah, oh, people say that. I can't right. control how I feel. I had a woman on, It was the interview was dealing with chakras of all things. Yeah. But I, I made that statement, believing it at the time, to this mm -hmm. woman. She said, well, let me give you an example. Notice, you're, you're, out with your, you're out with your preschool kid, and you and your wife are walking along the street, and you're in a major fight. Right? You guys are going at it big time, and you're very angry with each other, and you're upset as you normally get. Right, And then you come, you're stopping and waiting for a crosswalk, and while you're arguing, all of a sudden you hear tires screech. What happens? That's why you start looking for your kid. You make sure your kid's okay, right? Right. You know, you start looking around for him. You change your emotions instantly. Right. You have total control over your emotions. Right. Right? So this, again, seeding control that, well, I feel what I feel. I can't help it. Yeah, you can. Exactly. You just got to gotta deal with it. Well, so, so the technique that Whatever's you... more important to you at the time. So make sure what you're focusing on is really important to you. Well, and it, right. So, so response versus reaction. So when people tell me I don't have control over my emotions or that, you know, he or she makes me feel that way, yep. I reframe it to, you know, Lou, your behavior is making me have a reaction. Now, if I react to it, it's going to come from the emotional space. If I respond to it, it's a healthier way of doing it. It's not going to come from the emotional space. It's about me taking control, giving myself perspective on I'm either going to yell at you and scream at you because something bad happened, or I'm going to put it in context in my head and say, well, gee, Lou, that's really upsetting to me. I'm really angry that you did that. Yeah. And that makes me mad. Well, the difference between I am angry and I feel angry. Right. Yeah. Right. Which and, is a and, huge difference. And knowing, and people, you know, I have some clients when they first start, you know, that will say, that's just semantics. It's just words. No. Well, 
it's actually words really matter in these contexts because not it's not just words out in space as if it's just superficial. Words change your brain chemistry. Yep. The meaning of context of sentences changes your meaning in the world. When you're to- like, there's a big difference between someone saying uh, tone, for instance. Tone is a, a huge communication. Yep. Um, killer and enhancer if you use you know hey how are you or hey how are you it changes your brain chemistry it changes the way a person's going to respond or react to you and that you know it's like taking a tigger versus an eeyore yeah you hit me with that all morning you (laughs) You hit me with that all morning (laughs) are you in a bad mood (laughs) because when you when i came in you seemed like you were in a bad mood and you in fact said you were putting out fires so i read it correctly that was working I don't know. know. Um, So, you know, it's that piece of react versus respond. So when people will say to me, all right, you know, I just don't have control over my emotions. She makes me feel that way. She, you know, couples do this all the time. She does this to me and it makes me feel that way. He does this to me. And I say, well, what do you have control over here? What do you, what do you feel? You know, oh, I feel sad when that happens. So it's changing. I said, then tell tell Lou that it makes you sad when he says those things. Yeah. It, you start to change the way the dialogue goes so that the brain changes so that you're not reacting, you're responding. Responses take the heat out and bring it down to like almost nothing. Reactions take a lot of work. They take a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. That's what creates the heart attack, cardiovascular issues, diabetes, you know, it, it changes the whole body chemistry and people yeah. don't realize emotional control um, which doesn't mean not express. It means emotional control of having an idea that I'm going to feel. It's fine. I can feel these things because you did something. Yeah. But it's how I'm going to respond, not react. And finding that difference. I see a lot of movement and change and growth in people when they realize I can react or respond. And, you know, family dynamics shift. Relationships and couples shift. Boss relationships with employees shift. Sure. Just on those basic little you know, that's all the three R's and the three C's together. It's adjusting to the, you know, it's remaining present. It's doing what matters most to the person is taking care of themselves to have a, a better life in the moment. It's all those pieces that come into play all at once. So in this world, in in American society in 2020, what's the biggest threat to people? We talk, we talk about the mind deals with threats. It's threat generates. It's about survival. What's trying to survive in America in 2020? It's the ego, right? It's self-image. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's. I think that's not just now. I think that's been for yeah. a, a long time. But I think that. But the, it's not like the caveman days where we were worried about getting eaten by something. <laughs> the bear in the back of the cave. It's, right. Right now, it's death of self. It's death of self-image. But so, but that's so the hardwiring in us for not getting eaten back in the caveman days mm-hmm. versus now is still there, and right. that's what protects it. So the ego. And I think many shows ago I talked about this. Your ego is your reality manager. And so if you have a damaged or fractured ego, mm-hmm. you know, you've had lots of hits to it and you're, you're, you know, you have more narcissistic tendencies, which are the insecurities in you. You're, today's society is largely, and this isn't just Gen Xers or Gen Zers, it's across the board I find in right. clients from top to bottom, is that, that the ego strength versus the, the 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 limited capacity for ego strength is the biggest issue the consciousness of self 
I don't want anyone to think poorly of me. I don't want, in, in, you know, Loretta LaRoche. I don't know if you know her. She's, no. she's very funny. She's a comedian, but she's, she's a comedian slash self-helpy life coachy. She's very, and she's, she's very sweet and fun. And, um, years ago she put, you know, she was talking about like living your best life in, in a comedic stance. And, you know, she was, she was always talking about making sure that, um, it, now I'd lost my train of thought because I was trying to jump into something else. Yeah. But she was really talking about making sure that you live your best life by by moving forward, not really getting caught up in that that old school thought process of everything that was back in the past and yeah. the you know the hardwired stuff that's there, and and just moving forward with what you know right now and not getting caught up in the Michigas of everything. That's yeah. a word for the day. Michigas. Yeah, Michigas. I don't think she used that word. No. Um, but you know the hardwiring of self-consciousness of who's on your committee. That's what I was going to say is Loretta LaRoche talked about who's on your committee. They, they have no face. Yeah. They have, they have no, no face, no names, but there's a committee in your head. And where's that committee? Well, they're judging you. Yep. They're, they're making all the calls for you. They're giving you all the messages that are negative. They're the ones that take the place of all the people that gave you the ego damage, right. the ones that make you self-conscious, the ones that make you worry that you're going to have judgment. There I go. I got back on track because I was thinking three things at the same time. I was being you Tigger. Yep. <sighs> you weren't helping. You get there. You were processing it. I was. I was, letting I you was process. trying to get back to where yeah. I needed to be. So, but the committee in your head, to answer your question, I think that's where a lot of people in society are: is that people run with the committee in their head, and then then there's people that don't run with a committee in their head and they should. Yeah. Well, I'm a, a big, <laughs> There should be a committee. A I'm big a big one. proponent of the observer position. Yeah. And I think what happens a lot, you were talking about couples, when he does this, I feel angry. Or when she right. does this, I feel sad. That's your mind reacting to a, to a threat to your ego. Right. Right? Right. So you can swim in the mind and just be reactionary and just be buffeted sure. around by everything the mind's throwing at you. Right. Or you can stand back and, and actually understand this process yes what he did made me feel insecure because it threatened me right you know he's something he said something he did all of a sudden it's about you and what you realize hopefully you get to the point where you realize 99 percent of the time it's not about you right because yeah. it's usually a trigger of something when you react to something it's usually because it has reminded you yep. of how something in your life has made you feel less than irrelevant um, put down, we're talking about all the ego damages. So when you're having an interaction with someone and you feel belittled, hurt, uh, dismissed, right. disrespected, all those things, that comes from maybe that is happening right in the moment. Sometimes, often it is, but it's usually a reminder which revs up the reaction because it's already a damage. And so it's like picking at the wound of the damage. And so you are more reactionary to it because now as an adult, you have more control over it because usually all these damages happen yeah. when you're a child. So, the, the, you know, they start there and they fracture your ego and your ego then becomes the adult ego that manages to defend itself in all kinds of different ways. And narcissism, right. you know, is people always think, oh, it's the, you know, someone's over the top grandiose. Well, they are. But there's a reason. It's a defense mechanism yep. to, to manage the damaged Eeyore. And it's the protecting their face, their, their outward self. Right. I think I, I said the story early on with my current girlfriend. There was a situation where she starts talking about a particular band is stupid that she doesn't like. And all of a sudden, I immediately turn it into, well, she's going to think I'm stupid because I like that band. 
You know, so I made it about me. It had nothing to do with me. Right. She just didn't like that band. Right. You know. Yeah. As opposed to giving it this the perspective of, by the way, who cares? Yeah. I have so that's one of my favorite sayings. I have a couple of clients that laugh at me because they'll say something, but I'm not saying it to them as them. But I'm like, who cares? And they're like, yeah, but they said blah blah blah. And I'm like, so yeah. Why does it matter? And just that shift because you the same take thing it you're personally. Saying, it's like it's yeah. not about you. Yeah. They're not ties. They don't like the band that you like. So what? Yep. And if they don't like you because all of a sudden you say you you like the band, mm, it's a little insignificant in life to actually have to worry about that. But people don't look at it in that perspective to say, that's really not a big deal, so what? Or yeah. if they judge you for it. Well, no, it itself is not a big deal, but you turn it into a big deal because you sure. make it about an attack on you. And mm-hmm. it's not an attack on you. They just don't like the band. Well, and and the attack on you goes very deep because yeah. it's really not about the band. It's about the process of the fact that if she were to disagree with you and then perceive you in your mind as stupid or whatever that you like them yeah right all that stuff is then manifested in your head from whatever you already built a storyline a narrative on from before that i can't have someone not not like what i like or i have to like what they like if they are going to like me but people don't make that separate it's if you have to be you have to have technique to make that separation sometimes right. because a lot of people don't make that separation. Right. It's like the way I put it. That's why like, they come to me. Yeah, exactly. It's like being in the it's like being in the theater. What you hope when you're sitting in the seats in the theater is that you get into the movie. Yes. Your life, what your mind throws at you is basically a movie. Yes. And you can either be in the movie or you can be yourself sitting in the chair watching the movie and evaluating the movie, you know, and too many people are in the movie. They, they're not sitting in a seat watching what their mind is projecting to them. So so that was a really good segue to what I call that is being an A actor versus a B actor. Oh, right? interesting. So, yeah. so you've seen B movies, sure. right? Love them. The, the campy, yep. schlocky movies or, you know, the ones that, you know, you're sort of in the movie, yep. right? So when you're in your life, oftentimes people who are more caught up in Eeyore or more caught up in the negative thought process, they're B actors because they're, they're not listening, remaining present to what's really going on. They're just waiting for their next line to right. deliver it. Yep. And that's what B actors do is like, hi, hi. They're just planned into what is supposed to happen and they're not really listening and giving their feeling and emotion. Whereas an A actor, which is what I'm asking people to you know, live your best life, be an A yeah. actor, which is listen, be present, and respond to the moment versus waiting for your line to fall. Right. Right. And that's, and people are B actors. People go through life many times trying to be A, not knowing how to be an A actor, right. yet, you know, pretend with the B as best they can. And, and, it's, and they struggle, which is why they remain stuck. Well, because it it's gets over back, and over. gets back to that self-image. It gets right. back. You're you're trying to uphold a self-image that's not you. Right. And so it's not natural. You can't do it well because it's it's natural and it's too much of a struggle. Well, well, yeah, and it's and being being okay with yourself and being happy with yourself and being enough. That's all that ego stuff. That's yeah. all that reality manager of, you know, how do you how do you be okay with you, and not worry about what other people are okay with or not okay right. with. Well, it's to take your analogy to a ridiculous degree. Some some of the you look at some of the best actors? Yeah. Some of the best actors always play themselves. Yes. It's a different role. Jack Nicholson is always Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Meryl Streep. 
Right, Meryl right. Streep. Yeah, I mean, most of the great actors, I mean, there are exceptions, is Pacino who can do very well and get into another character. Right. But most of the great actors are great because they have them in whatever these particular roles are. And and so if you so if you know anything about like acting training and kind of being in those moments and you talk to any actors that are at that level, they'll talk about just going to places where they can generate the feeling of what it's like, imagining what it's like to be in that moment. And then what happens is you see them on screen. Like I think Meryl Streep is a beautiful example of that from, you know, when she did the movies years ago to now, you always see her little stream of her in it, but she can generate the feeling because she can put herself with empathy. You know, that's, that's part of, you know, having your skill of the day in my list is have empathy to be able to listen and be able to understand from another side so that you can respond accurately to to not be Eeyore, to yeah. actually be a wise owl um, and having great actor A ability is to do that, is you're yourself authentically, right. but you're responding to this material. Where B actors are trying to... Um, be something they're not. Yeah, but they're trying to um, show that to you. They're right. Not, they're, not, they're not trying to be it. They're right. trying to show that to you, which right. is a whole different mechanism, right? Right, right. and so, so yeah. I ha- I mean, they don't I think about being that character. They think about showing you that character. Right, because yeah. they want to they prove it to you. They want to yeah. make you see it the way they see it. Right. Um, and, and you find people, people who are more like that at the really extreme are ones who really struggle with like depression yeah. and anxiety and, and self-doubt because they're so much reliant on external right. validation and external, you know, help and the wise owl you know people will feel that they're wise owl because their ego is protected that i you know i know i'm right i'm but there's always that question of right i'm right right (laughs) (laughs) no i want you to know i'm right yeah i'm right whether i'm right or not i want you to think i'm right yeah and i have i have a client that consistently for years has been doing this and he will constantly say things like um i just need her to see I just need her to see it this And I always say to him back, I'm like, you need to stop making her see how you see it. You need to be able to see your own way and then have space for her thoughts and that she doesn't have to agree with you. And we just, that's one place where in the moment we'll go with it. And then as soon as they're out the door, it's the next week it's back in saying yeah yeah but i'm right so she just needs to see it if i could just see her get her to see my way <laughs> well this goes back to what i said before about taking that on personally if she disagrees right and which is what he does by the way this is the way we are this is our big societal problem right now. right it's yeah. well and that's exactly what he does yeah. he takes on the information as if somehow it's meaning that he's not smart or he's not being believed or he's not. And I say, why does it really matter what she thinks about that? And it's usually about like things like a band or something silly that in the grand scheme of life really don't matter. And you have to be able to look at that, but it's the ego being shattered in so many ways in his mind that he can't fathom having it together and function. Okay. Without those, validations and the validations are never enough because it's like you bring the cup up to full 
from external source to bring your full cup in but then if you're not able to maintain it yourself now it depletes yeah. and you always are looking for the external to fill the cup and the ego back up instead of being able to do it yourself right and so it's you know i just need you to see it my way i just need you to understand because if you understood you know and then you'd see i'm right and therefore i'd feel better you'd feel better and we'd all get along right and and what up you know fill up the cup deplete fill up the cup yeah. deplete your your Eeyore. But we've lost sight of the fact that a person can disagree with you and still think you're worthwhile at the same time, mm -hmm. right? Because everyone great... equates disagreement to they think I'm stupid. Or ending or yeah. abandonment, you know. Right. I mean, I see yes. this with kids all the time is that, you know, and I, and I think parents do such a, a good service to kids when they say, I'm, you know, I'm upset with you and I still love you. I can be upset yep. and still love you. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in an era where that wasn't happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, yeah. I'm upset with you and I hate you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. and that, I mean, that's the feeling that you got. And, you know, many of my friends grew up like that um, and so on and so forth. But now it's much more the psychology around that is, you know, I, I'm really mad at you, but I yeah. love you. I always love you, but I really don't like what you just did. And, and we need to not be around each other right yeah. now. No, that's that, safety. That you message. can have couples can have a disagreement as long as they feel safe at right. the point where they don't feel safe anymore in the relationship. In other words, I'm angry at you and I'm going to leave, or I'm angry well, at you. Well, that's yeah, it's yeah. the fear of abandonment right. or detachment, and and that's re-injuring the ego, the reality of a child. Usually, people when they fear abandonment and detachment and disconnect is when is likely because something in their childhood from zero to six or seven years old has happened yep. that's given them that quick anticipatory anxiety that says. If I don't, if I, so, if I don't comply, if I don't make this person happy, if I'm not like the good girl or the good boy, then they will leave, or there will be a threat that yep. it's it's possible. So I have to behave in the right way, and you know, and there's and there's a lot of research around like women in psychology, and that that's yep. a big piece of how the social cultural nature of you know some of the control that happens in like abusive relationships happen yep. and things like that because of that that dynamic that becomes so intense of of the pattern falling out over time of not really yep. you know it's a, it's a it's it's like a double eeyore yeah. um that can't get you know having two egos almost and being crushed together and yep. not being able to separate out then you become a, a b actor because yeah it, it's not about what you want it's not about what you're feeling it's not about where you want to go it's about whatever you want to project to your partner to keep things safe right to keep People them pleaser. to not be abandoned Peacekeeper. yeah being a peacekeeper, uh, a people pleaser, making sure that because that somehow is a coping strategy to keep your ego in check. Yeah. Okay for yourself, you know. You know, people, um, you know, you see this. You see this in relationships a lot, where you know it's very hard to live your best life when you're living for someone else, or you're trying to give to someone else all the time because you sacrifice your own integrity to make sure they're okay. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I'll do that for you, I'll do that for you, I'll do that for you, I'll do that for you. Well, it never ends. Yeah. And, and I have a couple of clients that I say, you know, the more you do, the more they take. Yeah. There's, you know, intermittent reinforcement is better than consistent yes all the time. Because what happens is once you dial that down, you start tapping into their ego and right. they start wondering well right you know he's not doing for me what he did before Four, what's going on so that must mean that they don't love me or right. that must exactly. mean that something else is going on right so it's that dance and that goes back to codependency yeah <laughs> right so they, all these little intricacies 
kind of glom together and that, you know, and to, and to have a good life or have a better life, you have to be self-aware of that. Yep. that's happening i mean i think you know you asked about the societal problem is you know and i said ego and self-consciousness and all that stuff but that that societal piece of having um just the worry the worry about pleasing yep. another and and not having a loss or a disconnect and we are such a culture and you see that now because of covid so much and i've seen so much of a change that people who'd really felt like disconnect was really no big deal or as big a deal because it wasn't right in your face. Now it's like, oh, you can see yeah. how important connection is through this whole, you know, time, these four or five months that people are like, wait, I really need connection. I really need to be out there. The isolation is yeah. getting to people. And I had a client yesterday text me and say, I, I, I'm done with the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I need connection. I need yeah. more. And, um, it's kind of a comment. It was, it was a really intense text actually about the fact that they, you know, I had to simplify it and, I, and to answer her is that it's kind of, there's nothing, there's nothing special to do to fix this. It's, it's about adjusting in this moment to be present because there's, you know, it's not about you in terms of like, you can't do anything to control out here. You've right. got to do for you. All you you and, can change your reaction to it. That's all right. You can do. And so yeah. your re response to it is that, you know, you're doing these seven different things to try to manage and juggle your life. You're trying to buy a house, do a new business, get an online thing, make your relationship do great things, you know, try to be okay with oneself and all those things. And unfortunately, the simple answer or the response to that is, life yeah <laughs> i mean and and to feel like that that's life that isn't normal for a person that that wasn't you know was always very um taken care of for them in a lot of ways or protect they were protected from life yeah and and to be able to look at someone and say well seven things going on at the same time is actually kind of normal and it's just that you're not used to doing that so now you have to be able to figure out how to manage that yep. and how do you do that you, you give a perspective. Those are all things that are good. They're all happening that are good. There's going to be some blips on the screen, but it's how you respond to it by looking at the perspective of, I could look at it as Eeyore, that I'm done with the pandemic. It's yeah. killing me. I'm void. It's, I, it, I'm Eeyore versus, well, I've got some wise owl here. I'm going to do some Tigger on this. And you've yeah. got to move that around as, as, you know, as we've overused maybe the little avatars on this, but they really count because you can just sit in Eeyore all day. And where are you at the end of the day? And it, you're right, exactly. So, um, so uh, Greta says, uh, this is a lot of what I feel in my relationship, even when he's trying to help and be closer to me. And I'm not sure the context of that. Well, I so so and the, she says, well, I think I'm just not used to being such a wise owl. <laughs> well, and, and many people yeah. aren't. And so when so so when someone's trying to help, I'm not sure what the context, Greta, you were saying. So the so the generalized thing is um, two things. Men and women are different in their relationships in terms of women are much more um, listeners and men are much more fixers. So the first thing that comes to mind when she said is writing that is that, you know, a, a man typically wants to help and help means to fix. And. And I often tell my couples, the male side, I say, you don't need to fix. You just need to listen. That's me like saying to you, Lou, you have to just sit with 
the moment. It's tough <laughs> and that's for guys. Hard for people. It's tough for guys. Right. It's super hard. Because you're you're raised to be the white knight. You're raised right. to you're raised to fix things. Go exactly. slay the dragon. That's what you're raised to do. Right. And so and there's a lot of techniques around being able to just be able to look at your partner and say, you know, female to male in this case is to say, um, I just need you to listen. Yeah. I'm not looking for a fix. So like one of the first strategies I say to people is to say the male says to the female something like, do you need me to just listen or are you looking for advice? That's a great gift to a guy, by the way. Yeah. It's, you get into that conversation where you take the responsibility of fixing it off of them. Right. And hopefully it opens them up because guys constantly under pressure to fix to fix. Yeah. Right. Right. And it and, and talk about an ego hit for a man that if they can't fix it, what does that then make them feel like because they can't fix? And I hear more often Worthless. than not is I'm yeah. not able to fix it and makes it's frustrating or it makes me feel less than all right. those are the ego fractures to the, you know, they're worried about what she's going to think. Right in this relationship why does she want me around if i can't fix if things? i can't fix it yeah so and and that and that's what probably one if not the top one of the things that happens in couples counseling with me is that you're a fixer you're a nurturer and and you know you have to be able to ask him hey i just need you to listen mm -hmm. i'm not looking for advice and then for the man to say this is, and yeah. not give advice because as a fixer you want to you want to still do so it's training yourself into a different pattern to not have to give the advice or give a fix so what do you do there do you just mirror do you just ex do you just acknowledge whatever it is they're feeling at that point yeah so it's just valid that so can be I frustrating i'm sure that sounds val frustrating to me it's just yeah. well we could, no we i mean any... that's what you would respond to somebody when they give you a problem it's like wow that sounds you must be really frustrated with that right so so i i wouldn't necessarily do it in that way the validation it would be more like you know just giving back like you know it's it's obviously really hard and is there something in there that I could help you with? So instead of valid, so you're validating the feeling, but you're offering something else. If the person says, no, I just want to be able to tell you, you say, okay, well, if you need anything, just let me know. I just, I, but I've heard everything you've said. Yeah. Um, people get caught up in kind of the, the pop psychology thing of just parroting back. Like, I hear that you feel sad. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And, yeah. you know, that's like a, you know, a, nov a novice psychology person that doesn't really know what else to say. And I try to keep guys away from saying like that. Just yeah. just say if there, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. And I explain to women because women have that are notorious not to be sexist here, but are notorious for saying to their male counterpart. Um, well, if you love me, you would know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> See, I got you. Yeah. If you love me, you would know what to do. I shouldn't have to tell you. Yeah. And my response in, in office is always, um, no, because yeah, they no. don't mind read and you don't mind read. And so if you need something, it's your job to teach what you need. And then if they don't do it, then we have a different discussion. If you are waiting for them to guess and that's a proven yeah. ground for their love for you, you probably will be waiting a long time and your relationship will suffer. Um, but these are all things that c talk about from threat generation. Go back to the beginning of the show. Is this all comes from that E or threat generation of, of how we've made meaning in our reality of our ego to make meaning of who we are, how we are, our importance level, um, how to remain present, how to be self-aware, how mm -hmm. to hit a reset. Those are all those things of having a good life. But we're trained into anticipating something bad. Yep. So, and that all goes together. So 
now we can have couples conversation next week about Ooh, nice. so that's a, I'll probably forget. You'll have okay. to remind me. But <laughs> um but you know, so so I guess the takeaway as I'm looking at the clock on the wall, which is probably wrong, I have no idea. Yeah, we're a little late, but it's okay. We can what? wrap. We're a little oh, late. Oh, we're we can late. Wrap. All right. So I I would say that remaining present. So living your best life this week is remain present as as best you can. Respond, not react. So I'll keep it simple today. Yep. Respond, not react. If you're reacting, you're coming from the emotional space. If you're responding, it means you've found your three R's. You've been realistic, rational, and reasonable. And you've tried to capture, challenge, and change your typical reaction. So if you're an angry reactor, then, right, extreme. Yep. If you're an angry reactor, being able to sit with yourself, be present, and basically push your reset button so that you can manage. And there's a lot of people that are angry right now. So mm. I think that would be, you know, find out what's really important to you to be able to keep yourself at a better adjustment level so that you feel like you have control in your life and not feel like it's an external, like COVID's running my life, right. everything else is really staying present with that. And it's hard. No one says this is easy, but it's... But it, it's rewarding. It's so, I was going to say it works yeah. so beautifully because when it starts to work, it feels like a relief in your body, your mind. It's like, oh, it's very freeing. As, as cliche as that sounds, it's very freeing. So anyway, all right, Lou. So <sighs> good luck you're going to get cats. lost on Winnipesaukee this weekend. Oh, good. Yeah, I am. Again. <laughs> all right. Um, so everyone have a great week. Please uh, look at my other um, podcasts. Other videos on, other videos on, uh, on Spotify. On this Facebook page and all the podcasts on, on my po- yeah. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the three big ones. But if you're getting podcasts somewhere, check for it. It's probably there. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I will see all of you next week. Have a great week, Lou. Put out fires. <laughs>